Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. And what I found throughout my life is that time and energy, affection, passion, anything else about me that's given to Jesus just becomes so much more, uh, which, which is what our text today is about. A, a woman who gives an extravagant gift to Jesus, so extravagant that she comes under quite some criticism, but please join me in opening up our hearts to this passage, to see and experience Jesus in these words of scripture. Jesus, how, how good you are. And we see in this store a piece of your goodness, a way that your goodness shines through in your love and your care for this woman as you receive her extravagant gift. Holy Spirit, make these words alive in us to turn our affection towards Jesus, to be brought to the Father, to be included in your eternal life together, to be received the way we see this woman received. Again, open us up, change us, make us yours, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's scripture comes from Mark 14, chapters 1 through 11. I'll be reading this from the New Revised Standard Version. It was two days before the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the festival, or there may be a riot among the people. While he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment of nard, and she broke open the jar and poured the ointment on his head. But some were there who said to one another in anger, why was the ointment wasted in this way? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii, and the money given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you, and you can show kindness to them whenever you wish, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. 
Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray them, him to them. When they heard it, they were greatly pleased and promised to give him money. So he began to look for an opportunity to betray him. It's easy for us to fall into the trap of thinking that we're going to encounter God necessarily, uh, most in a place that's set aside for, for religious purposes, right? A church, a temple, a seminary, you know, a place where we train pastors. But what we need to see in this story is that Jesus is encountered in the everyday and in our reaction to him, our giving ourselves to him. It's not about a place. It's not even necessarily about training. As much as I value my theological education, it's about simply us and Jesus, his reaching out to us and our devotion in response to him. There are some other characters involved, but this woman is very much at the center of the story. Let's be honest, we name our sandwiches by what we put inside. This happens to be a sausage, egg, and cheese. Likewise, here in the Gospel of Mark, this woman is put very much literally at the center of the story. Yes, we've got religious leaders in their opposition to Jesus plotting to kill him at the beginning, and then the woman, and then Judas cooperating with the religious leaders in their vendetta against Jesus. But at the center is this woman, this unnamed woman. She's at the center of this story, but it's not at all clear that she's even supposed to be here. This is a gathering of men, after all, in a very gender-divided traditional culture. This simply wouldn't have been done. And you'll notice that Mark, in the way he tells the story, says that she arrives after everyone else is already at the table. As a woman to step into this uninvited, it, it simply isn't done. But she's determined to show honor and devotion to Jesus. There are other characters, of course. Simon the host, named here the leper, which on one level is simply a way of distinguishing this Simon from the four other Simons that occur in the Gospel of Mark. Simon is an extraordinarily common name in first century Palestine. But that one word, leper, invites us to imagine a deep and complicated backstory for this man. Presumably he's healed now, but he knows what it is like to be an outcast. And if Jesus indeed is the one who has healed him, all the more reason why he'd be hosting a dinner at his house for Jesus. And yes, the disciples are here with Jesus at Simon's house when the woman walks in, but they're not at the center either. These disciples are in many ways at the center of the gospel as both positive and negative examples, but here they are not at the center. Despite being with Jesus for several years as his apprentices, despite being with him and taking in his teaching, and yes, despite all the ways that they've understood scripture up to this point and Jesus' teaching, they do not yet have Jesus' perspective when this act of extravagant love is enacted right in front of them. 
Simon, the disciples, on the outside of the sandwich, the religious leaders who are out to get Jesus. But there's another character too. There's the scripture that these disciples and Simon the host, no doubt, and everyone else reading this was very familiar with. This command to be generous with the poor, which was a particular obligation around the time of the Passover, by the way, which may have fueled their peak at this woman. But the text that's apparently on their minds that Jesus quotes comes from Deuteronomy 15, where God says that the poor will always be with you. Therefore, be open-handed and generous with the poor. You can always be generous with the poor. There's always poor people. God puts poor people around us, people in need around us, precisely to draw out our hearts towards them so we can be more like God himself. You will always have the poor among you, says Jesus at, at this table. But you will not always have me. And watch at this table where she's uninvited, this woman's love and devotion literally pour down over Jesus. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that she does. And this ointment, this perfume is called nard that the woman pours over Jesus' head is extremely expensive. This, of course, is not an alabaster jar. If it was, it'd be worth a lot more money. Alabaster is stone. It's soft, but it's, it's stone. It takes a lot of time to create an artifact out of it. And nard itself, this ointment that this woman uses, it comes from India. They didn't have motorized transport, let alone airplanes back then. To get nard leaves and process it, it's, it's expensive to get this stuff cross continents. And then it's pure nard. It's not just everyday nard, it's pure nard. It's a particularly refined, expensive form of nard, such that whatever the, the size of the vial, the alabaster vial that this woman pours out over Jesus is worth 300 denarii, 300 days wages for a, a typical worker. Now, I don't know where you live and what the average salary is where you live, but in parts of Seattle, average annual wages are something around 70 to 80, sometimes more than $100,000 a year. Think about something you could completely blow on Jesus that's worth 70 or 80 or $100,000. And again, this is, this is not an alabaster jar. I, I grew up from time to time hearing people tell me that it was necessary to break the alabaster jar to get the stuff out. Turns out that's not true. But what it does show, this shattering of the jar to get it all out, to get every last bit of this precious perfume onto Jesus to honor him, it shows just how focused she was on him as she gave him this gift. Mark says not a single word about where this woman may have acquired or been given this extraordinarily expensive alabaster jar of perfume. But he does give us this, as is Matthew and Luke, that wherever the gospel is proclaimed, Jesus says, in every place where the gospel is proclaimed, not every single time, because there's lots of other things to talk about, but every place, everywhere the gospel is proclaimed, her 
act of extravagant love will be retold in honor of her. Which leads to the first point of application for us in our lives. See, Jesus there at Simon's house on a Wednesday night knew very well that there were people who wanted him dead, including one of his 12 disciples, by the way. And yet in this situation where he knows, he knows, he talks about his burial right, right here. He, he knows. He's predicted his death and resurrection for a while. He knows. But even knowing what's about to happen to him, Jesus has the presence of mind, the non-anxious presence, to center this woman who's being put down, put in her place, so to speak, by the disciples and all the other, let's be honest, men in the room, Jesus has the presence of mind to center her, to point to her, to defend her. And who might be in our lives with all the stuff floating around? We all got stuff. Probably don't have somebody who's trying to kill us, but, but we got stuff. Who is in our life that we, if we had the emotional maturity and the security in Jesus, that we could center and lift up and make much of like this woman here? I think for all of us, there'd have to be at least one. But pouring yourself out for Jesus can, can look like being an entrepreneur and starting a business, not to enrich yourself, but to pour out into other people. Uh, check out the Inglewood Church Facebook page. There's a post and I shared on my own personal James Keeman Facebook page as well. But a story of a man who do, is doing exactly that, a guy named Thomas Kim, who started a car wash chain for the purpose of investing in other people, empowering other people, centering their needs, giving them a clear path even if they don't have an education, into a sustainable life, both for the people who work for him and also helping people steward their resources of their automobiles, steward the resources of the environment, clean water, and on and on and on. This man is pouring himself out for Jesus and having an impact on the world through a car wash. And this is what's on offer to us, this Wednesday of Holy Week, looking at this particular day of Jesus last week before his crucifixion and resurrection. To see Jesus with everything going on around him, centering this woman, making much of this woman as she makes much of Jesus. And to understand that, yeah, at times, way too much of the time, we're in the position of the religious leaders who want nothing to do with what Jesus is actually doing, even if we think of ourselves as being on his side, because, you know, we're religious church folk. Or perhaps we see ourselves in the role of the disciples who are learning from Jesus, but notice what they miss here. They miss just how beautiful this woman's act is. So friends, looking at this week of Holy Week, this day in the middle of Wednesday. Let's 
fix our eyes on Jesus and on the one that he lifts up in this particular story. Let goods and kindred go our mortal life also, as Martin Luther put it in the famous hymn. Because Jesus is worth it, whatever the cost. Amen.